An entitled and crooked landlord tried to scam me out of $2,000, claiming that I had damaged his roof beyond repair after I fixed it out of desperation because they refused to even touch it in the first place. But I put them in their place in a spectacular and meticulous fashion, threatening to basically sue them into oblivion. Here's what happened. So this story happened to my wife and I about 10 years ago. We had been married for about four years at this point and decided to move from an apartment to a rental house. It wasn't fancy. It was a post-war era house on a quarter acre lot, but we really thought it had a lot of charm. It was a little more money than we had paid for the apartment, but it was kind of a trial for being homeowners. The lessons I learned then have really helped me now that we own our own house today. The house was managed by a property management firm that was just a few blocks down the road. When we first looked at it, the previous tenants were still there and were very nice. They were an older artistic couple and they had made a few small changes to the house, like a small raised garden in the front yard. We told the landlord to just leave it and that we would love to use it. The backyard was a bit overgrown, but it felt like the secret garden. We thought we would just clean it up for a bit and that it wouldn't be that big of a deal. There was a back building my wife wanted to use for an art studio and it needed some cleaning, but it was big and even had a half bathroom in it. I did notice that the roof was also missing some shingles. It was about 10 square feet that was cut out, not damaged or blown away, and it was cut with clean lines. I don't know why anyone would do this, but I asked the landlord, so you're going to fix that before we move in, right? And she said, oh yeah, of course. We decided to go ahead with the rental. We signed the lease and we set the date to move in. However, when we actually moved in, reality finally set in. We discovered that they removed the garden boxes and did a really bad job replacing it with sod. It was lumpy with large spaces between each piece of sod. I asked them why they removed the boxes and they said, it was in their contract with that tenant to return the house to its original condition. I was annoyed, but I was okay. I ended up fixing the grass myself later. I also noticed that the roof had not been fixed yet. I asked the landlord about it, and she said she would look into it. Me, being the trusting person that I am, accepted this for right now, which is a bad move. It was the summertime, so I knew it wasn't an emergency yet. I will get back to this point later. We started cleaning out the backyard and the studio building. We quickly discovered that it wasn't just overgrowth, but a huge pile of garbage and debris that had ivy and blackberry bushes growing all over it. We contacted the landlord and after applying some pressure, got them to clean it up. It was probably one to two literal tons of old wood, a keg, broken garden supplies, and a lot more. And it was all just rotting back there. The landlord had it cleaned, but complained literally the entire time that it didn't bother the previous tenants and how much money it was costing them. We finished cleaning out the studio and found literal boxes of dirt. The building ended up not having any windows that could open, so I ended up adding an exhaust fan just to get some airflow. It was pretty gross now that I think back on it. We found some rodent droppings in the attic, and we did mention this to the landlord too, but they ignored me. When I pushed, they informed me that the back building wasn't technically part of the rental, so they wouldn't be doing anything. This was utter BS, since they included the half batch and the square footage in the advertisement. They also included photos of it too. I told them I would take care of it myself if they wouldn't. At this point, they surprised me. The landlord came over to the house and offered to let us out of the lease with no penalty. She said, you obviously don't seem happy here, so maybe it would be best if you found another place to live. Obviously, they were just getting annoyed that we were costing them money for some pretty serious maintenance issues, and they didn't want to deal with them. This was them just trying to get rid of us. Maybe in hindsight, I should have just taken 
taken the deal, but we had just moved there and spent all this time and money fixing it up, so we declined the offer. I had cleaned up and rodent-proofed the studio myself, and the yard was all cleaned up. I even pressure-washed the house and discovered an old walkway that had been overgrown with moss. We did some serious improvements to this place just by cleaning it. A couple of months later, and we start getting into the fall. The roof was still not fixed, and I started getting concerned about the weather. We get a lot of rain where I live, and I knew that this was a big deal with my experience in construction. I reached out again, and they informed me that they would not be fixing it, since a roofer they worked with said it didn't need to be fixed. And at that point, I was shocked that anyone called themselves a roofer and would think that a 10-square-foot patch of missing shingles was okay. It did have felt paper down, so a little rain wasn't a big deal. But going into the fall and winter, this would be a problem. I vented to my neighbor next door about how the landlord didn't want to fix it, and he told me that he had some extra shingles in his garage. He gives some to me, and I decide to just fix it myself, because screw those guys. And what happened next absolutely blew my mind. After a few weeks, I get a call from my landlord. She asked me if I fixed the roof, because she drove by and saw that it had been fixed. I told her I did, and explained my reasoning, and how I got the material. She didn't say much, but said that she was going to have a roofer inspected. I told her to go right ahead, thinking that she just wanted to make sure I did a good job. The roofer comes over a couple of days later, spends 15 minutes there, and then just leaves. A week later, I get a letter in the mail with a bill for $2,000. They claimed I damaged the roof and that it would cost $2,000 for the roofer to fix it. They also said the roofer had claimed that the felt paper was adequate protection from the weather. I mean, are you kidding me? I was so enraged and immediately drove to their office and demanded a meeting with my rep and the owner of the company. The rep wouldn't see me, but the owner came out. She was a middle-aged woman with some kind of disability. She informed me that they couldn't meet right then, but that we could make an appointment and I could come back later. We made an appointment for two days from then, and I prepared for the worst. First, I took photos. I made printouts of all of our conversations and even a timeline for the events. I knew this was about to be more than just the roof. It was retaliation for making them actually take care of their property. Next, I looked up the property management company and their roofing contractor. The contractor had poor reviews and a few violations with OSHA. The property management company had a good rating, which they were very proud of, but a lot of reviews online echoed similar stories that I was facing now. I immediately filed a complaint with the rating service and printed that out too. Next, I was able to look up the owner of the actual house. She was a doctor who lived in Ohio. I didn't contact her, but if things went south, I would reach out to her to let her know how her property was actually being managed by these bullies. Last, I read every word of my state and city landlord-tenant laws. In my area, it greatly favors the tenant, so I had that on my side. All of the issues they refused to deal with, like the rodents and the roof, were pretty clearly called out in the law. They absolutely were in the wrong, and I had the law on my side. When we finally met, it's just the owner, my rep, and myself. I informed them that I'm recording the conversation after we introduce ourselves. I start by letting them talk. They tell me why they were penalizing me, and they also mentioned that I didn't seem happy in the house, and how they offered me to leave before. I told them that moving wasn't an option for me, and that we would be finishing out our lease and not renewing. They were just going to have to deal with me in the meantime. I informed them that I had filed a complaint with the rating service, which seemed to really get their attention. Next, I laid out the entire timeline, promises made, and all our communications 
over the last several months, including the original posting and the lease for the house, which clearly show the studio as being part of the rental. We then talked about their supposed roofer. The roofer told them that I had severely damaged the roof of the house, and a huge section would now have to be replaced. He said that the felt paper was already providing plenty of protection from the weather, but I immediately called out that BS. I told them that I had replaced several roofs and had worked in construction for nearly 10 years professionally. There was no way that felt paper was adequate weatherproofing or that I had damaged the home. I told them to call any random roofer from the phone book right now and ask them if that was remotely true, but they declined to make that call. They then said, well, our roofer has over 25 years of experience. I responded by saying, I don't care how much experience he has. If he said I damaged the roof and that it's already weatherproofed, he's either an idiot or a crook. I then said that my rep had been unprofessional this entire time, lied to me several times, and was stupid to believe such an obvious lie from the roofer. They were stunned that I said this and told them I wouldn't pay them one dime for this obvious scam. He apparently also claimed that my rodent proofing damaged the studio roof as well. I told them that when we leave, I could remove all the rodent proofing and restore it back to the way it was. They agreed to this, but instead on having it inspected after. I told them to go right ahead, but to use a different roofer. Last, we went through the landlord-tenant laws. They first tried to dismiss as if they knew them better than me. However, I went to each section, showing how they are required to deal with rodents and making the building weatherproof. Having established that the roofer had lied or was stupid, I told them that I technically could deduct my time and the cost of materials out of my rent if I was really trying to be petty. If they pursued any of this BS with me, I would do so and would also sue them for harassment and violation on the law. When I was done, I decided to not waste any more of my time with them. Without letting them come up with any more BS, I left copies of all my paperwork with them and informed them that I would not be paying the fine and that I expect them to follow the law. I then stood up and left without another word. One week later, I got another letter in the mail saying that the fine is waived and that they would leave the roof as is. They did mention me removing the rodent proofing on the studio in the letter as well. Over the next several months, things were pretty quiet with them. Luckily, nothing else major happened and we prepared to move out when our lease ended. I didn't want to give them my actual new address, so I got a P.O. box just for them. A week after we moved out and turned in our keys, I get a letter from them. The letter simply stated that the studio passed inspection and it included a check for the full amount of our deposit. They obviously just wanted me gone. It's now been a long time and that experience taught me a lot about working within the law and working with difficult people. But it begs the question, am I the jerk for putting these crooked landlords in their place? This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So this story came from the Am I the Jerk podcast subreddit. And if you're interested in submitting your own stories, check the link in the description. But this original poster is definitely not the jerk. If anything, they are absolutely the hero of this story. I mean, they came in there prepared. They had everything lined out and they knew exactly what they were doing. The amount of detail and absolute meticulous work that you did is unbelievably stunning. And you seriously deserved every penny that you got reimbursed. Those landlords were clearly crooked. You're right. They were absolutely trying trying to punish you for saying, hey, you want to clean up your stupid property? So good for you for standing up and saying, you know what? I'm not going to be put down like this. I mean, you really gave it to him in such a cool way. And it's fantastic to see that you came out on top and these crooked landlords got put right in their place. If you like Am I the Jerk, you're probably going to love Am I the Genius. Check it out. Link down below in the description. My girlfriend struggles with insecurity, but still demands that we get married on a timeline. And despite my efforts to try and solve our situation and make us have a trusting and loving relationship, she is still refusing to work with me. And at this point, I simply don't know what to do. So I'm a 30-year-old male, and I've been dating my beautiful and kind-hearted girlfriend for almost two years now. And we are at a stage where engagement might be in our near future. Unfortunately, things have been falling apart for the last couple of months due to our disagreements about whether we are ready to take that step or not. So for the past two years, I have been working from home in my small apartment. During this time, She has spent most of her time here at my place and goes home to her apartment just to clean up or feed her cats. Her sleep schedule is poor because she is not in school or working. For the most part, this has been fine as I do enjoy her company. In our first year, there weren't many issues. She had skipped a few semesters of college, but I figured that she would either go back to school or start a new program or find a job whenever she was ready. I tried to encourage her and come up with ideas for interesting programs or jobs. We also didn't really fight much during this period. We would go on little day trips or hang out with her friends, and we never talked much about marriage or kids. Our second year has had a lot of ups and downs. On the plus side, we have met each other's families and friends. We've been on a ton of really incredible trips, including hiking, camping, bird watching, and she has done so many nice things for me, decorating her place and cooking for my birthday, bringing me souvenirs from her trips with her travel buddy, as well as bringing me lunch when I'm working sometimes, and much more. On the other hand, this year has been marked by near-constant fights, roughly two a week, which happen almost entirely over text messaging, despite my frequent attempts to take the conversation offline. Only recently have I started to understand that she is a near-textbook case of anxious attachment. Fights would break out almost any time we were apart. For example, if I saw my friends, went to write an exam, stayed with my family too long without texting, or went to a work event, her questions about what I'm doing would often immediately turn into accusations. Once I recognized the signs of a nervous text message from her, the ensuing fight seemed inevitable, even if my responses were not defensive. It got to a point where an angry face emoji from her could make my stomach sink and my adrenaline spike because I knew that the next 24 hours or more would be an absolute nightmare. I knew that I would not be able to get her to agree to meet up with me and just talk things over. I hoped that these situations would become less frequent 
frequent over time, as she continued to see that I was loyal and committed, and that I had no eyes for anyone else. I thought we had lots of time to work on these issues. Unfortunately, we had an unexpected pregnancy. She has not been on birth control during our relationship, and foolishly, I got used to the habit of not using protection, if you know what I mean. The following month has been tense. I was afraid of having a child in that situation. We have poor finances, we have frequent fights, we're not married, and her education is not complete. And we are still in the exact same situation right now. And with all that in consideration, I have to admit, in my panic, I push very hard for her to consider if medically we should prevent this child from coming into our lives, if you know what I mean. But I didn't do this in a harsh way, but instead I was rational about it, and told her that having a baby right now would interfere with finishing school, and we would be raising a baby in relative poverty, and that this baby might witness our frequent arguments. In the end, she got it done, since she agreed that it was too early for us. I was there with her during the painful cramps in the hours after she took the pill, and after that, things seemed to go back to normal for a little bit. About a month later, she started to bring up the idea of marriage and kids. In a way, it made sense. We were coming up on the two-year mark, and we very nearly just had a kid together. I was hesitant to agree to any engagement plans, given that we were still fighting very often. But the topic was pretty new to me, so I wanted to try and be open-minded. I wanted to be optimistic, and I wanted to believe that we could improve things fast if we just tried our hardest. I ended up agreeing to a Valentine's Day engagement deadline on my condition that we go to therapy and stop having fights over text messaging. In the following weeks, on her insistence, the Valentine's Day deadline changed to Christmas. Again, I hesitantly agreed, given that she was willing to postpone having kids until her education was complete. In September and October, she definitely made some serious attempts to be peaceful with me. She seemed more open to meet with me in person to resolve arguments. She was willing to apply for some part-time jobs, and we had our first two therapy sessions, which were very productive. It was great to have a third party who could see our issues clearly, and my girlfriend was great. The therapist was impressed that we both seemed mindful of our own weaknesses. Unfortunately, after a few terrible text arguments, one of which lasted over a week, in late October, I decided that we had failed the Christmas engagement goal. Things were still incredibly volatile, and we would need more than a few weeks to be ready to make a lifelong commitment to each other. Following this, she understandably lost her motivation to do therapy with me, but we managed to stay together until Christmas anyway. What made me decide that we weren't ready for engagement this year wasn't simply the frequency and the length of the text message fights, but the particular things that she is capable of saying over text messages when she feels justified by her feelings of anxiety or abandonment. When she's angry, she will accuse me over text message of flirting or cheating on her, and she will tell me to get lost and go find someone else, as well as just laugh sarcastically, or worst of all, tell me that she hates me, which absolutely devastates me. I have never said I hate you to her or any loved one. I think she grew up saying it to her mom sometimes, and so she figures that I will similarly just brush it off. As of recently, during fights, she has also started texting that she'll find someone else who will not just string her along. I feel pretty strongly that I'm not trying to string her along. I think that wanting us to have a peaceful relationship of mutual trust before we get engaged is very different from purposefully stringing someone along. That being said, I understand that my agreeing to an engagement date must have got her hopes up in some way, even if I was clear that the deadline was conditional on us making a lot of progress. At this point, as of Christmas Day, we are sort of broken up. I want to fix things and get us on a more realistic path to engagement, a plan that is more progressive-based 
without a hard deadline. That sort of plan would allow us to simply continue to enjoy our time together while working on ourselves and strengthening our feelings of trust over time until we both feel secure. I know that she wants to fix things too, but I don't know if she'll accept any sort of compromise or new plan. I know that she would be happy if I showed up with an engagement ring tomorrow, but I don't think that would be wise. Even though I feel that she's the one, I want to find some way to make her agree to do the work before we decide to do any engagement plans. But recently, she has been crystal clear that she will not go back to therapy, she will not look for work or hold back on her text fights unless I make a new promise to propose in the near future. I've spent countless hours recently writing a roadmap for us, writing all the things I can do better to stop triggering her fear and anxiety, and conversely, some things I would like her to keep working on too. I haven't been perfect, but I believe that I have been good to her. I continue to learn each day about the triggers for people with anxious attachment style, as well as a fear of abandonment. But even then, I still slip up. I give her full access to my devices, even though she guards her own phone. I'm committed to being the person who stays beside her as she conquers her fears, even knowing that her fears won't ever completely go away. I know that my girlfriend is a good person. I know that she loves me. I just wish I didn't have to remind myself of that fact in the moments when she says that she hates me. I want to support her in her daily life. I want her to have reasons to wake up in the morning, to have a job or classes to go to, and then to tell me about her day. I want to feel confident that she will start to care more about her own life, independent of whatever I'm doing. I would like to see that she is willing to pursue something and achieve it. I've been waiting for us to grow into a normal, healthy dynamic, but it still feels like we are so far off. What should I do? This is a messy situation. It sounds like your ex-girlfriend, from what you're describing, does not want to change, but instead just wants to get married and have kids. And I think you dodged a serious bullet with the previous kid you almost had, because this lady does not sound stable in the slightest. Like, she literally just does not want to improve her relationship. And it sounds like for literally half of your relationship, you have been arguing back and forth over and over again. So from my perspective, on the outside looking in, it just does not seem like this is a good relationship. And it's not like you haven't made some serious efforts to try and make this work. You've gone to therapy, you've written out a roadmap of some kind for the both of you to follow, you've tried to make amends and do everything right, but she's the one that's literally holding this back. Your girlfriend's codependent or something like that on you specifically. She has no ambitions and she doesn't really have a life. So I think you really need to take that into consideration moving forward. Because marrying her and having kids is not going to change anything. She is still going to be that weird, jealous person who accuses you of cheating and tells you that she hates you. And if I was in your situation, I don't think that's someone I would personally want to be married to. Thanks for watching. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications so you never miss a video. To finish listening to all the stories, use the playlist at the top of the description. And if you like Am I the Jerk, you're probably going to love Am I the Genius. Check it out in the description below and subscribe.